do you wonder? When you come to Mass and hear the Word of God, or when you enter the Eucharist, or when you break open your Bible at home, does it cause you to wonder about God, Jesus the Redeemer, or how the Holy Spirit might be moving and working in your life? I do wonder about all sorts of things. Today's scripture makes me wonder about what we call the human condition, fallen from grace, less than perfect, seemingly doomed to struggle, even though we have a choice not to. In our human condition, no matter how much things change and evolve, it seems the more they stay the same. A few examples. In our first reading from Deuteronomy, we hear Moses frustrated by his endless struggle to lead God's people to understand and embrace God's call to adopt an attitude of gratitude and to love God truly. Moses told them the great command, the Jewish prayer called the Shema, to love God with all your heart and soul and strength is not remote or mysterious, and that the grace and power to do it is very near, even within them, in their mouths and in their heart. All they had to do was listen, hear it, and do it. 1,400 years later, Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom of God on earth, to teach and witness to true love, to the way things ought to be. And it cost him his life. 2,000 years later in our time, St. Mother Teresa said, if we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten we belong to each other. How are we doing with that one? Do we, the citizens of the world, act like we belong to each other, like we have a divine obligation to each other? Things really haven't changed that much in 3,400 years. Luke's Gospel of the Good Samaritan today comes right after the verses we heard last weekend when Jesus sent out 72 missionaries to proclaim that the, gospel, that the kingdom of the God is at hand. The readings today further this teaching of the kingdom here and now. The message is still simple. Listen for God, hear his voice, see Jesus, and do what he does. But our human condition continues to get in the way. I have wondered what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God is at hand. I used to think at hand meant close, but not quite yet. But that's wrong. At hand means at hand. Right next to your hand, all you have to do is believe it and then grab it. It's very much the same as Moses was telling the Israelites of the great commandment, that it was not distant, but already in them. Do you believe this? I have often wondered if living in God's kingdom while here on earth could really be possible. But when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, what did he say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus believes we can help him bring heaven to earth. 
So he went ahead, he inaugurated the kingdom by showing us the way, when teaching us to pray for strength and wisdom, to hear it, to see it, and to do it. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus is confronted by a scholar of the law who asked him questions to try to trap him. Jesus responds as he so often does to us. Instead of answering our questions directly, he answers the questions with more questions to make us think for ourselves. To the question of how to inherit eternal life, the scholar responds with the Shema that we heard in the first reading, to love God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. But he adds from Leviticus, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then maybe not for the sake of truth or to grow in wisdom, but to feel justified in his own understanding, he asks, and who is my neighbor? Knowing the law and scripture well, he expected Jesus to give him a different answer than the one he got. See, to love your neighbor as yourself, that's the second half of that verse in Leviticus. The first half says, take no grudge against your own people. A commonly held understanding of the day was your neighbor were those in your family and those in your religion. But Jesus came not to abolish the old law, but to fulfill it, to reveal its full meaning. Instead of answering the question, who is my neighbor? This time, Jesus responds with the story. There are several good reasons for Jesus to use a story here. And one of them is the hope that we all will insert ourselves into the characters of the story, which may help us feel the impact of our decisions. To set the scene, let's remember two things. Jews and Samaritans despised each other greatly and would have nothing to do with each other. And Jerusalem to Jericho was a notorious 18-mile descent through the desert because it was riddled with, known as the way of the blood, because it was riddled with robbers and bandits. Descending from Jerusalem down to Jericho, our common human condition of descent, you and me are fallen state from perfect grace. Jerusalem, the city on a hill, the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, the way things ought to be. Jericho, a city of sin and dysfunction, the fallen way that we are. The priest and the Levite, they represent the, represent the rituals and religious practice of the day. But they could not help the wounded man because religion does not save. Only Jesus does. Sin is our wounded condition, and nothing we can do alleviates ourselves from that condition. We need a healer. Along comes a despised and rejected Samaritan, moved by compassion and mercy. And who is that good Samaritan? Paul exclaimed, though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not deem equality with God something to be grasped. So he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Coming in human likeness, he humbled himself. 
Jesus stoops down to care for the man. I can only imagine him looking into his eyes, pouring oil and wine into the wounds, oil and wine of the sacraments we share, poured into our wounded souls, the oil of baptism, confirmation, holy orders and anointing of the sick. All of us who have received any of these sacraments have had Jesus anoint our wounded souls. The antiseptic wine is the wine of the Eucharistic Christ. And in just a few minutes, Jesus, the Good Samaritan, will offer us his sacrificial cup, the wine of salvation. The sacramental life of the church is the healing salve that can't be received any other way. Then Jesus, as he does with us, trades places with the man, lifting him up onto his animal to bring him to the inn, and he pays for his care. The inn is the church. As Pope Francis says, a field hospital for sinners and the broken, a place of healing and of rest. And let's not forget the church is not this building. You and I are the church, and Jesus entrusts the wounded among us to each other to care for. If we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten we belong to each other. And since we can't save ourselves, the Good Samaritan prepaid for our care. Today, Jesus pushes us out of our comfort zone to expand our definition and practice of loving neighbor. Pope Francis regularly reminds us to push out to the peripheries. What are your peripheries? Who do you have a hard time loving? Where is Jesus encouraging you to go? Hear Jesus, see Jesus, go and do likewise. And in doing so, we are his partners in advancing the kingdom of God here on earth. One more thing, probably the most important point of the story, making ourselves characters in it. I think Jesus prays that we all identify most with the broken soul laying on the side of the road so that we too will invite him into the most secret recesses of our hearts and let him care for us too. Jesus is the only one who can save.